test. Am I on? There we go. I just taught that to Vicki earlier this afternoon, and uh, I tell you what, just to think, three months ago, Vicki, you couldn't play at all, and uh, you know, God's blessed you and touched you. Um, Amen. Yes. Thank you, Vicki. I appreciate that. And I, I do appreciate God's healing in your life. And uh, it's amazing. God is amazing. Well, it's my privilege once again to uh, introduce our evangelist, Norman Moore. We've had some time together, just some good time together, eating some like hot fudge Sunday cake. And he had his hot fudge Sunday cake double blessed with chocolate. So it was, uh, he asked her, to, the waitress, to really baptize the cake, and she got a little confused. But uh, we had a great time together last night and today, and, and, uh, and I know you'll enjoy him. Give him a hand as he comes and shares with us. Amen. Good to be together. Did you have a good day? Four of you had a good day? Appreciate you making the effort to be here this evening. And there's something the Lord would like to say to us from his word. And just like yesterday, so also this evening. Between now and when we leave, we have another chance to get in touch with God. What would he like to say to you? What fresh insight does the Holy Spirit have for you personally from his word? Let's bow and pause and Maybe it would be healthy for each of us just to whisper, Dear Lord Jesus, please speak to my heart tonight. Could you whisper that to him right now? Dear Lord Jesus, please. Speak to my heart tonight. Father, we're glad to be in your house. We appreciate your presence. We acknowledge your nearness and admit our need of you. We've gathered together this evening to pursue revival. We need it to be more than just a title for a series of services. We want a genuine and authentic movement of your Holy Spirit among us. Confronting us our, our hearts with opportunities for improvement, showing us truth from the word, how we can become the holy, sanctified, dedicated people of God that you desire us to be. Father, I intercede for each of these dear friends who've chosen to be here tonight. You know the kind of day they've come through and the kind of tomorrow that awaits them. But among all their schedules and responsibilities and sometimes fatigue and concerns, they've chosen to be in your house and so come visit with us, please, from your word and tutor us again from its truth. And thank you for the benefit that we receive in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll never forget my eighth grade grammar teacher. Her name was Mrs. Mershon. I remember distinctly for two reasons. First, she had blue hair. I think it was supposed to be white, but she had compounded problems with her hair. 
First, the Revlon and the L'Oreal and the Clairol formulas were not perfected in those years. And the school district only paid the teachers once a month. The last Friday of the month was payday for the school teachers. So shortly after the new month had arrived, she'd been to the beauty shop and her hair was real jet black. Remind me of a Lincoln or a Cadillac limousine. I'll never forget Mrs. Mershon with her blue hair. Another thing I remember about her, she played a goofy game on the chalkboard. She never told us the name of the game. But if I named it, I'd call it Make a Student Look Like a Fool. Because that was the result when it was my turn. We'd be gone to lunch, and she would write the most unnecessary, long, complex sentence on the chalkboard. And we'd get back to class, and we'd get to play our game. She wanted us to diagram a sentence. Anybody ever played that game? Would you raise your hand? See if we can remember the rules. As I recall, she wanted one line under the subject. Is that right? And two lines under the verb. Is that the way you played it? She also called that the predicate, just to confuse you. And as an eighth grade boy, I always got that mixed up with somebody about to have a baby. <laughs> she wanted parentheses around the prepositional phrases and brackets around the infinitives. And I never figured out that deal about dangling a participle. I'll never forget Mrs. Mershon with her blue hair. All that experience in eighth grade grammar helps me analyze a verse of scripture for tonight. At 2 Peter chapter 1 at verse 3, We'll inch our way through saturated insights from Peter's life experiences. Second Peter, first chapter, and the third verse. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. In former years, when I'd be reading through Second Peter, I would have a habit of reading a bit more rapidly. And I had passed through that verse. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. But at one good day in a private, quiet, devotional moment, I read through that verse and I felt an interior tug. Slow down. What's your hurry? Read that again. Read that again. Read that again. So when I come to that verse, now I read it, His divine power. 
has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Let's take a slow step at a time through that verse. Peter calls it his divine power. Mrs. Mershon with her blue hair helped me to understand in this sentence the subject is power, and she would say that divine is a descriptive adjective. Tell us what kind of power it is. I know you didn't come to church tonight for a grammar lesson. Just hang in there for a minute, okay? What's that mean, his divine power? It's too big to define. But the Bible's full of examples. Go all the way back to Genesis. Read the creation story. Bible says, God said, let there be light. Evidently, there never had been any. And since he said so, it had to happen. And the lights turned on. Years and years later, Peter sitting at his table, squeezing his pen, and guess what came out? His divine power. It speaks the world into existence and he thoroughly furnished this earth with the power of his spoken word. John's Gospel, chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In a similar way, Paul said in Colossians, all things were made by him and for him, and in him all things exist or hold together. His divine power. Later in the Old Testament, his divine power was manifested multiple times. Remember the story? God spoke to Moses from a burning bush and said, I want you to go down there and tell Pharaoh, I said, let my people go. I'll save you all those plagues and hassles. Eventually, the folks left town. And they bumped into an unanticipated obstacle called the Red Sea. Have you ever had an unanticipated obstacle? A wonderful tradition was born. God's people started complaining to God's man. And it's been going on ever since. And Moses had sense enough to pray. And the Bible says they walked across on dry ground after the folks had accused him of leading them in the wilderness where they're going to be slaughtered. Peter's reflecting all of his accumulative experience and knowledge, and he called it his divine power. It speaks the world into existence and parts the Red Sea. On the other side of the sea, the folks got hungry, and they came complaining to him, going to starve to death, primo strategy, Moses. And Moses prayed, and God heard, and put manna on the ground. Do you know what manna means in Hebrew? Crispy creams. I don't know, I just made that up. Fresh, sweet bread from heaven's bakery every morning, and quail flying low enough you could reach up and grab them. And Peter's thinking about all his accumulative knowledge and experience, and what came out of his pen? His divine power. Later, the folks got thirsty, and here came the complaint committee. Oh, we're going to die of thirst. Is that the idea? And Moses prayed, and God heard, 
and the Bible says they got water out of a rock. You know what the lesson is there? God has multiple options by which he can meet your needs. What need did you bring with you to church tonight? His divine power. It was manifested multiple times during Jesus' life and ministry. Jesus and the disciples were heading down Main Street in Jericho one afternoon, and a persistent blind fellow from the side of the road aggressively yelled out to the Lord, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The religious bunch tried to hush him up, but he persisted all the more and aggressively announced, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus called time out to the downtown parade on Main Street in Jericho and stepped to the side of the road and looked the fellow in the face and asked him a Interesting question. He said, what would you like me to do for you? Could you imagine the Lord Jesus Christ coming up to you with that same question? What would you like me to do for you? Bartimaeus gives us a great example here. He was in touch with the reality of his chronic need. He didn't seek some shortcut or compromise solution. He didn't ask for a scholarship to the Braille Institute or a CNI dog. He knew he was blind. He was not in denial. He was facing the chronic realities of his condition. He said, Lord, I want to receive my sight. The context bears the meaning. Jesus concluded, man, that sounds like a mighty good idea to me. And he healed him right downtown curbside, Main Street, Jericho. Who was in the parade? Peter was in that parade. Later, in his elderly years, rounded shoulders, grayed hair, he squeezed his pen. And what came out? His Divine power. Bible tells a story. One night, Jesus and the boys were in the boat out on the lake, and an unpredicted squall hit the lake. Jesus, very God, but very man, in his humanity becoming fatigued, says he took a nap on the pillow. And his optimism committee came and woke him up and said, Don't you care we're about to go under? Do you have a committee like that in your church? In my mind, I see Jesus yawn and stretch and scratch his hair and beard and shake his head and say, when are you guys ever going to figure out who I am? The Bible says he walked out at the bow of the ship and held out his hand. I bet you all got that memorized in King James, don't you? What did he say? Peace be still. I read that in a modern translation. You know what it said? Hush, knock it off. And the boys looked at each other in astonishment. And their exclamation was, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who was in the boat? Peter was in the boat. In his elderly years, he squeezed his pen. You know what came out by now, don't you? His divine. John's Gospel tells a story. Jesus got a message. Get over here to Bethany as quick as you can. Your good old buddy Lazarus is sick. The Bible says he stayed two days where he was on purpose. Go figure that one out. 
The lesson there is God has a strategy in the apparent delay in our answers to prayer. His delays are not necessarily his denials. That's where we need to learn to trust him. He showed up in Bethany a couple days later. Separately, two sisters approached him with the same remarks. If you'd have been here, my brother would have died. Jesus took the opportunity of a timely lesson on faith in the resurrection. They went to the tomb, and after he came, the, overcame the objection of the older expert sister, they moved the stone. The Bible says, with a loud voice, Jesus said, Lazarus! Come out! And since he said so, Lazarus came out. In my mind, I see one eye pop open after the other. And he stood upright and with his tight wrapped burial garb wiggled his way to the mouth of that tomb. And in my mind, I can hear him say, did you call me? Who was standing there? In Bethany, Peter was there. By now, I think he got it figured out. Years later, he's having a moment of reflection and inspiration, enlightenment and memory, assisted by the Holy Spirit. And he squeezed his pen, and it came out his divine power. It speaks the world into existence and parts the Red Sea. It puts manna on the ground and gets water out of a rock. It heals the blind man downtown Jericho and tells the storm to hush and wakes up a dead man out of his tomb. Remember Mrs. Mershon with her blue hair? She taught me to find the verb. Has given. I understand it's a present perfect tense verb. Aren't you impressed? So what? Well, it's not past tense, gave. It's not future tense, will give. Has given. That means loaded in the trucks, dispatched, arrived, backed into your driveway with the tailgate down, ready for your current and immediate access. Did you bring a need to church tonight? Got some great news for you. His divine power has given. Some folks have a faith that say, well, I believe God could give. Other folks have a faith, well, I believe God will give. But when Peter wrote it, it came out his divine power has given. Us. Who's us? His kids. The born again. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're one of us. His divine power has given us, his children, what? Not much, just says everything we need. I noticed he didn't say everything we want. Is there a difference? Most of the time. I mentioned yesterday, my wife, Vicki, and I have an only child, our daughter, Nikki. When she is a school-age kid, get home from school, she'd play in the neighborhood with the Kids, ride her bike. Sometimes she'd come into the house and say, Daddy, can I have a Twinkie and a glass of milk? First thing I do is look at my watch. I said, sure, I'll have one with you. If it's 4 o'clock, 4.30. But if it's 5.30 or quarter to 6, I'd say, no. Why? 
two reasons. I knew supper's at six. And we're going to have meat and potatoes and vegetables and bread and butter and dessert and milk and all. Didn't want to spoil her appetite. Number two, I didn't want her mother on my case for spoiling her appetite. So sometimes I had to say no to her Twinkie requests in order to meet her meat and potato needs in just a few minutes. And sometimes God in his love and mercy and kindness and wisdom has to say no to our Twinkie requests because he wants to meet our meat and potato needs in just a few minutes. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He cares about your life-related needs. He cares about your godliness-related needs. What kind of need did you bring to church tonight? Down in the quiet part of your heart where only you and God can look, what issue looms large on your mind? What concerns weigh most heavily good news from God's word is his divine power has given us, the born again, his kids, everything we need for life and godliness. You might be wondering, okay, what's the catch? Well, Mrs. Mershon did teach me how to identify a subordinate clause. And we have one here at the end of the sentence. I remember her rule. It looks like a sentence, but it can't stand on its own through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Let's rewind it and play it back. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through our knowledge of him. So I have to inquire among us this evening, how well do you know him? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. How well do you know him? And you may wonder, well, how do you get to know him? The same way you got to know your best friend. Spend time with him. Consider just for a minute, who's your best friend on earth right this minute? At one time, that person was a total stranger. But sometime, somewhere, you were introduced. You met for breakfast, you went out to lunch, you had pie or coffee, whatever. But your best friend right now was once a total stranger. How'd you get to know them? You spent time with them. How'd you get to know him? Same way, spend time with him. In this book, in prayer, in meditation, Christian music, Christian literature, networking with edifying Encouraging Christian friends, public worship, all combine to help us to get to know him better. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of him, how do you get to know him? Spend time with him. And you and I have the privilege of setting the priority of the expenditures of our time. Through our knowledge of him, who called us. There's a little insight tucked in the end of that sentence. Who called who? He called us. He's the one who takes initiative to establish relationship with us. 
Before you ever thought about God, he was already thinking about you. Before you took your first step towards him, he'd already taken several steps toward you. Before you ever reached towards him, he was already reaching towards you. Do you remember that gospel song with the lyric? When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He's the one who takes initiative to establish relationship. Who called us by his own glory and goodness. It brings me back to a central concern and question for the evening. What issues are you dealing with in the private part of your heart and life that only you and God know about? Are they life-related? Maybe physical, maybe financial, maybe family, maybe career. I don't have a clue. Life-related needs. Could they be godliness-related needs? Unconfessed sin? Habitual backslidings? Unyielded heart? An unsanctified life? Inconsistent walk? Unpaid tithe? Poorly deplored, deployed talents? Godliness-related needs? Thank God for revival. A chance where God's people can call time out to their normal routines and step aside and unplug their busyness and their distractions and allow the Holy Spirit to come and visit about pertinent issues in their relationship with Him. Got a precious promise for you this evening. I've never been able to read it again since that first insightful moment of slow down and start over. The power that speaks the world into existence and parts the Red Sea. The power that puts manna on the ground and gets water out of a rock. The same power that heals a blind man in Jericho and tells the storm to hush and wakes up a dead man from his tomb is present here this evening to connect with you and to meet your needs. He's not here to hassle you. He's here to help you. He's not here to chew you out. He's here to cheer you up. I have never gone to a mechanic where he chewed me out for needing repairs. That's why he's in business. To tune us up. Inevitably, that mechanic finds corrections that need to be made. And if we'll get honest and open and transparent and quiet before the Lord, inevitably there'll be some opportunities for improvement. And those chronic needs that we've harbored for long and tried to cope with by ourselves and correct independently, he can address and involve himself with us. There's something you and the Lord need to talk about before you go. For some of the answers, no, everything's wonderful. Okay, no pressure for me. But if the answer is yes, i got a great idea. Let's spend some time in prayer here at the altar. You may prefer to be seated on the front chairs. And let's share three verses of a well-loved song that focuses keenly on God's character. His wonderful love and compassion, empathy and concern for each of us. Let's stand and sing the verses of what a friend we 
having Jesus. And remember, this friend that we sing about is the same one that healed the blind man and calmed the sea and raised the dead. Is present among us here this evening. And if for whatever reason you and the Lord need to have a talk, I'd like to just kindly encourage you. Do yourself a favor. Don't put it off. You may come while we sing. Before we sing the last verse, I just need to level with you. I have a concern that somebody might be about to make a mistake and put it off. And about the time you step into the parking lot and get to your car, I'm just concerned that somebody might kick themselves internally for blowing a great chance for brand new victory. How many times have we procrastinated our decisions, lived in denial, stared at our shoes, and waited for the benediction? That's your call. No pressure. Just concern. You're here in church on a Monday night. Irregular for your normal schedules and routines. You're here because you want to be. And the Lord's here. 
And he's spoken to our heart from his word. If you and the Lord need to have a talk, you may come while we sing this last verse. Thanks so much for coming tonight. It's been good to be together. Sense the Lord's presence and benefit from the Holy Spirit applying His Word to each of our hearts. Hope you can come back tomorrow. Pastor? I think it's appropriate that uh, when we sing about a friend we have in Jesus that we don't have people at the altars without a hand on their back as we pray in closing. Could some gather around? And maybe, maybe you just want to come give God thanks before we, we close in prayer. You know, you're not in this alone. <laughs> and you're not intended to do these things by yourself. And, and that's one of the benefits of an altar is that when you come forward, people can know, I need to be praying for them. And so uh, let, let's pray for those at the altar, and let's pray for ourselves as well. Lord, right now, uh, we just praise you and thank you uh, for your friendship. Uh, but, Lord, we're thankful that you're not just a friend, but um, you're a holy God. And so in you, we find the divine power uh, that meets every need that we might have. As we know you, as we grow closer to you, Lord, uh, we, we find hope and help in every aspect of our life. And so, Lord, we're thankful for that power, the power of the resurrection that's at work in our lives. Lord, we, we have to acknowledge, though, sometimes we live below that power. We hear the promises, but we don't live true to the promises. You're true, but we're not. So, Lord, I ask you to help us as we uh, leave tonight not to leave your word here, but to take your word with us, to chew on it a little bit, to, to think about what our good evangelist has shared with us tonight, to think not, not just about what he shared, but what your word shares. The power of God at work in the life of a believer. The, the kind of power that raises the dead, that parts seas and stops storms and, and all these things. Lord, it's at work and it's still available to us. So help us, Lord, not to, um, not to go through the motions of religion, but to seek this relationship with you that's dynamic and real and transforming. Now, Lord, we give you praise for tonight. We're thankful for what you've done, what you're going to do in the coming days, Lord. 
Uh, we pray, Lord, that as we come back tomorrow night, that you will once again bless us and just allow us to hear once again from you. Uh, we're going to praise you because you're good. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. God bless, folks. You are dismissed.